It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche, and today, an avalanche of trades. Were the Avalanche involved in in any of those? They were, but nothing that broke the bank, and... The more things change, the more things stay the same, at least for the Colorado Avalanche and the trade deadline. So this episode is going to be dedicated to pretty much nothing but the trade deadline. We're going to talk about the Avalanche trades, the couple moves that they did make. We're going to talk about moves that they didn't make. And we're also going to touch on some of the moves that were made from around the league and any that might impact Colorado from a opponent perspective moving forward for the regular season, and of course in the playoffs. So lots to get to, but before we get to all that, like always, follow the show on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. Follow it on Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche, and send any questions, comments, concerns if you want to be on the Fandom Friday segment. If you want to talk about the Avalanche trades that they made, the trades that they didn't make, the trades that you wished that they had seen them make but didn't, Send anything to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. So let's get right into it. So Joe Sackick is pretty much telling you, the fan, uh, get used to this team. This is the team that we have. This is the team that we are going to move forward with. And that's fine. This is a good team. They're a solid team. They're a young team. And... They plan on this team being together for for a very long time, and he is not. And he said it during that that game last week. Uh, was it against Tampa? I believe uh, that he he's not going to jeopardize the future of this team, not even for a short term fix, a rental player. He said at the time they were looking in the direction of a goalie. They did pick up a goalie, which, like I said, we will talk about the the moves that they did make. In, in a minute, but I want to talk more about these moves that they did make. Like I said, Joe Sackick is saying, we like the team we have. We feel like we can win with the team we have. I, he's saying, I've spent too much time and a lot of time gaining all of these players and prospects, and I'm not just going to turn around and give them away. So that tells you this was his plan all along. He wasn't just gaining these assets throughout the last few years knowing I'm going to get these guys to trade them away for for a situation like this. He was saying I'm getting these guys to hang on to them. There's no trading I I want I want a young team. I want a coach like I've said before, like he said when they hired before they even hired Jared Bednar, they said I, he he said I want a a, a coach that is also a teacher. So he's not, when you say something like that, you want players that are young and are raw and can be molded and and taught the way whatever coach you hire, which turned out to be Jared Bednar, 
wants to mold his players. You're not going to get those guys, turn them around, give them away for established established players. If you went that route, would anybody have a problem with it? I, I don't think so. I think, you know, of course you can't please everybody. But I don't think some people would really have a problem with that. I was in in the the the, the group of people who wanted them to make a move. And I wanted them to make a move because your future is not guaranteed with these guys. Is it a, is it a good group of young players that have all the potential in the world? Absolutely. And that's the road he wants to go down. He's going to live or die with the potential of what these players, when they come up, could be, coupled with the players that he picked up that are already playing. Um, and go and, and, and ride into the fire with that. And that's fine. That's fine. I, I, I wonder, from everything we hear, you know, they were going after Chris Kreider. I think the way things panned out, I think they, they were looking into some of these deals and some of these players. But the way things worked out on multiple fronts, on the Chris Kreider front, I posted something up to Twitter that was on the score that said they were at an impasse and no deal was going to be made and Kreider was like to be, likely to be traded. And everything we heard was it was down to the Avalanche and the Bruins. So were they in on that? Uh, they probably were right up until he got signed. Then you can check him off the list. The, the Rangers signed him to a seven-year deal. And I said in yesterday's episode that the Rangers were balking at that seventh year. And I said is, if that's really where we are, where they don't want to give an extra year or Crowder doesn't want to – or Crowder wants to leave because he's not getting an extra year – I have no sympathy for you. You're, I said he was going to make close to $50 million. He's making, I think, 45 and a half. So maybe they listened to this show. Uh, of course they did. Of course they listened to an Avalanche podcast as to make that deal. So Chris Kreider, you're welcome. Um, and the, the other one is the goalie trade. Again, which we will get to all these in a second and break them down. But I wonder, I really want to know who they were targeting because the guy that they got in Michael Hutchinson, I can't imagine that's who they were targeting all along. And I think the play of Pavel Francouz in the last, I mean, really all year, all year he's been really rock solid as a backup. And he's kind of coming into that. I don't want to call him the, the, the starter just yet, but he is coming into that and blossoming into that 1A type of starter. So he has the, the solid play for him all year, and in particular that last week, maybe send the Avalanche in a different direction of who they wanted to pick up. They still need to pick up somebody because of depth. But did it change the player they were going after? I've been shouting from the rooftops. I would have loved Henrik uh, Lundqvist on this team for, for none other than name recognition. And I wanted the jersey, but it would have made sense to bring him in. It really would have, especially with the injury to Grubauer. But then you're kind of right after signing Francois to a two-year deal and then bringing somebody in and then immediately demoting him again for somebody back. That's a bad look. And I think they wanted to to honor him and, and say, we appreciate what you've done for us. Here's a deal. You're our guy. We're going to, again, ride into the fire with you. So it's interesting. I think things happened really quick. I think within 24 or 48 hours, I think the Avalanche had a game plan, and I think it all changed. I think it all changed when Kreider signed and and Francois had a stellar week. 
and they they went the route they did. They did pick up a solid piece in Nemetsnikov. Uh, but that's this is what the Avalanche do. They fill in pieces of the puzzle at trade deadline. They 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 don't make that big splash. So I think if they didn't make a splash this year, which they didn't, we're we're not getting one for the foreseeable future because this is the team that he has built with his star players and his prospects and his draft picks and the and the pieces that he's traded for in the past. And they've never been monumental trades, which is okay. That's okay. If this is how you want to build your team from the ground up, which is exactly what they were doing after a disastrous season, I, I, I am okay with it. Like I said, I, I would have, I would have went the route of going after a big name player, but I think that's just the model of what most teams will do. And you saw some teams doing that. Avalanche aren't built that way. Joe Sackick has kind of built this culture of I'm not going to sacrifice and I'm going to stick to my guns and this is what I'm going to do. And I think we were thinking it was going to be different this year because the Avs are in a different position than they've been in the past several seasons. So maybe this year, because they're they're right there with the Blues for the number one spot, they might pick up that big name piece and who knows what happened after that. And they didn't do that. So I think this, these small moves speaks volumes for the next number of years that the Avalanche are not going to go after these guys. They tried Taylor Hall, and we should have known then that when they didn't acquire him for a King's Ransom, that they weren't going to do that come trade deadline either. And they didn't. So we'll get into the couple moves that they did make as well as we kind of talked about who they didn't go for, but we'll kind of get into that too. And like I said, we'll also get into players that didn't move and some of the trades that other teams made. And should the Avalanche be afraid of some other teams and the movements that they made? So we'll get into all that in a minute. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy-feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give easy-feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy-feeling wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. 
To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so you got to love trade deadline day. It's right up there with free agency day when just players are moving around, teams are improving, teams are rebuilding. It's just if, if you like the GM side of any sport and seeing pieces of the puzzle move around, uh, it's your dream day. So did not fail. A lot, a lot of movement going on. Avalanche got involved early in the day. And some people may have, may, may have thought, myself included, like, okay, there's a couple deals. One, really, the, the two deals they made were almost like back-to-back. Uh, they were within an hour of each other, I believe. And you th- and it was early in the day, and you thought, wow, they're going to be kind of an active team. Not necessarily – they don't – just because they're active doesn't mean you have, they have to go for the, the big-name player, which you knew at the beginning of the day when Kreider signed, he, he wasn't going to be that guy. But were they – on the verge of being that team that was going to be one of the more active teams, making those two deals early on, you thought so. And then they were done. <laughs> I think they, they kind of had their plan. We'll find out, I'm sure. And, and at some point this week, Joe Sackick, I'm sure, will do some press conferences and talk about what was out there, what maybe fell apart. Maybe we won't get that till the end of the year, but you never know. Um, and, and why he made the moves that he did. So the very first move that we heard from and that they they made was a deal with the Senators on bringing Vlad Nemetsnikov for a fourth-round pick. And that was the first deal, and that was by far the better of the two deals that they made. And, yeah, it, it's, it fills a need. He's, a, he's one of those guys, if you want to bump him up to the second line, you could you could do that now because of Kadri's injury, or he can play the third line center. He's he's very good in, in power play situations. He's a good two way player. He's he's good on on defense, and he's more he's above average on offense. So he is he's a depth guy, but he can make an immediate impact. So I think that was a really good pickup, and you gave up a fourth round pick you know, next to nothing to get him. His contract does run out, I believe, at the end of this year. So could be a player, depending. Maybe this is a litmus test for him for the rest of the season and an audition for the Avalanche if they want to bring him back next year. We'll see if he's in the plans for more than just this year. But if he's a rental player, this is the type of rental player that the Avalanche go get. Not... Taylor Hall or Chris Kreider. Uh, so we'll see. He's he because of this little break that the Avalanche have, not playing till Wednesday. By by all means, he should be on the ice on Wednesday, and we'll kind of get to see him right away. And and players like this, sometimes you know when you're going from a team like Ottawa to a team like Colorado, that in and of itself can get you 
up and ready to play. He, he did the best he could on, on a poor team. Uh, now just imagine the possibilities for him coming to a team like Colorado. And he's played on playoff teams before in the past with Tampa Bay. His years in the Rangers, I don't believe they made the playoffs. He's played with them more recently, so they, they have not made the playoffs. So, But his, his time in Tampa Bay, so they get a little bit more playoff experience, which can only help. So I think it's a really good, sound, solid move. And like I said, giving up a fourth rounder, I can live with that all day long. The next deal was a little bit of a surprise. Callie Rosen goes back to Toronto. Pretty, I mean, he was, I mean, all intents and purposes, he was a rental too. <laughs> they only had him for, what, six months. And then he goes back to Toronto for, here's your goalie depth in Michael Hutchinson. Ugh, I, I, I don't, this is where I want to know what else was on the table for the Avalanche. Who else were they seeking out? And I and I go back to how Francois has played and not demote him for the way that he's played. If he was playing so-so, like that, that stretch that both goalies had in December when neither were playing very well, if that had continued, I think you would have seen a deal maybe for somebody like Lundqvist or Price, which I think was really a, a long-range stretch move, or... Jonathan Quick, like one of those, some somebody like that. Maybe not the, one of those guys specifically, but something like that. And the way Francois has played, I think, forced them to get kind of that, I don't even want to say second-tier guy. I don't know what tier you would fit Hutchinson in because his numbers are, are brutal this year and could be another thing like Nemetsnikov, where you bring a guy in on a team that's underperforming to a team that's, you know, a contender and changes his his mindset and his energy level and, and his 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 want to, as they say. Um, but I didn't like this deal. I, I thought Rosen was a really good uh, prospect player. And when they got him in the deal with Kadri, he was kind of like that, the, the th- I don't want to say the throw-in piece, but the the player that nobody was really <clears throat> talking about and had all the potential for him to be talked about, maybe not this year, but in the future. And they brought him up a couple times. And I don't think he – he didn't see the ice his most recent time when they called him up. But he was that guy that you can bring him up and he could do something. He could, he could fit right in. I was a little bit surprised that they got rid of him. But Toronto obviously likes him because they wanted him back. And I think they were just fine giving up Hutchinson. Like I said, his numbers are pretty ugly. So this is, you know, everything is is just pointing towards, all right, Francois, you're our guy. And Hutchinson is our backup. But I, then I heard rumors, and I, I didn't look it up right, right before I went on, that he was already sent down <laughs> to the Colorado Eagles. I don't know if that's true. Whatever they, Whatever they're going to do, goaltending wise is to back up Francois. That's the way it's going to be. He's their guy until Grubauer comes back and then you have the two-headed monster back and and that's it. So it's it's a depth move and it's not you know by no stretch you you can't see this deal if you go to nhl.com and they have that running uh one webpage that's constantly updating. I don't even think this is on there. 
So it's not it's it's not a move that's going to win them the Stanley Cup, right? Let's not kid ourselves. But um, I don't know. I thought it, I thought they would maybe get somebody that could not only back up but be a capable backup. And I just don't think Hutch- Hutchinson's that guy because you have two really good goalies in Grubauer and Francois. And did they want to go down that road of grabbing another guy to fill the role of Grubauer, <clears throat> but in a backup role, if that makes sense? Um, and, you know, we have not heard too much on what Grubauer, how long he's going to be out for. But this move might speak to we don't really think he's going to be out that long. We just need someone to fill the gap for a short period of time. And if that's the case, then Hutchinson fits the bill for that. So all the eggs are in on the Francois basket. Uh, he's going to have to really keep doing what he's doing until Grubauer gets back. And then you have both these guys you can play around with and plug either one of them in. But right now, the weight is on Francois's back because it's him or or nothing when it comes to the backup goaltending. So uh, one really good move with the Nemitsnikov deal and one questionable but understandable move for the, the goalie trade. So two goals or two, two, uh, two trades. I didn't really, I mean, if you want to grade them, I would say for uh, the Nemitsikov deal, I would say a B, B plus for the Rosen and Hutchinson deal. Not good. I, I would go D to D plus on that one for the name, for the person, for the position, completely understandable. But I think you could have done a little bit better in who you got in return for Rosen. So all in all, not an awful day for the Avalanche. All right, and to round out the episode here, all about the trade deadline in the NHL, <clears throat> talk about what the Avs didn't, I, I guess more or less what they didn't give up. And the name that everyone was throwing around, and he's the whipping boy, and he needs to go. And again, this is something we might, <clears throat> well, probably not, because he's still on the team, and they're not going to say, well, we tried to trade him, but they're going to say, like, no, we had... We we've had faith in him the entire time, and we're you know he's still our guy, and and he's our pick, and he we still believe in him, and clearly that's Tyson Jost. Uh, he didn't go anywhere, and was he on the block? I think he most likely was. Maybe there was a deal in place for something, and maybe we'll never know. But this could be a, a turning point for him. This could maybe, who, I don't know. And like I said, maybe we'll get some info out of it. Seems like Joe Sack is pretty open with his players. Was, did he go to, to Tyson Jost and say, you know, we're looking to move you? I doubt it. I don't think you'd tell a player that. I think, you know, it, it's, we've moved you. It's not, we're looking to move you. So, uh, this could, when I say this is a turning point for him, could be because they didn't trade him. And hopefully he's in the state of mind of they didn't trade me. That means they believe in me. And sometimes this this has a psychological effect on a player whose name is in the news daily for all the wrong reasons. And that's clearly Tyson Jost. 
and and by not you know you don't tell that guy we're looking to move you so he's thinking in his head they want to hang on to me and now i have to prove why they want to hang on to me you know this happened uh i, I you know watch a lot of yankee games and i remember way back in the day when andy pettit was not having the greatest season he was the guy everybody in new york was wanting to get rid of and the yankees didn't move him and he went on to have a stellar career after that. It was very early in his career where people were looking to get rid of him because he wasn't performing up to what their standards were. And when they didn't trade him, people were shocked. And it was that moment when he was always a reliable player. Is that going to be Tyson Jost? I'm not trying to say it is. But all I am trying to say is it could be a moment for him to really put this aside because this is clearly was in his head, and he knows he's not playing up to his own standards and, and the Avalanche standards. But this could be the, the time where they think, or he thinks, all right, they're giving me another shot. They didn't get rid of me. We're, I'm on a good team. We're heading to the playoffs. Let me just shed all this monkey off my back and, and play the game that I know how to play. We'll see. We'll see if this has a positive effect on him. If it doesn't, then you know you deal with it in the the off season. But I think they've they've gone with him this long, and they must feel like he's not that much of a liability where they can they can work with him on the ice. And and he does and he he tries hard every single night. You can't you can't knock him for that. It's just the points aren't coming. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'll be watching Tyson Jost with a close eye for the remainder of the season because they did not move him. Who the Avalanche? Well, not that they. I want to say they didn't get him because he. I didn't. I just heard those guys like Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton didn't go anywhere, and uh, Colorado's getting thrown around as that Ray Bork type of move, bringing the guy late in his career. Hopefully, he can win a cup. I really didn't see that happening at all. Would it have been cool? Sure, but I didn't see that happening, and it didn't happen. The two moves that kind of scare me being on the West Coast. Most of these deals, it seemed like most of the bigger name players were going on the East. Did it not? It seemed like the East was right. The West was making moves, don't get me wrong. But it seemed like big name guys were going to the East. But the two moves that scare me going forward is uh, Rob Len- uh, Leonard going to Vegas, coupling him up with Flurry. And, and goal, that that is going to be a good duo come playoff time. And Anthony Zehu going to Edmonton. That's a really rock-solid move by Edmonton to get a guy who can keep up with McDavid speed-wise um, and talent-wise. And there's not, I don't want to say he has the talent of Connor McDavid, but he's got talent. Um, and adding depth to that team is a scary thing too. So that's going to be a really good top line if they slot him into that top line, which I would assume they would. But man, those two moves, when I saw that those two moves happen, they were like, okay, those are moves to watch going forward. And those are the type of moves that teams in that position will, will take to bump them up. And those aren't moves that the Avalanche made. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. This is always fun to go back 
when the season is over and say, okay, what happened at the trade deadline? Did X move help them for the rest of the year? And I don't really think we're going to be saying that about the Avalanche. Like It was a good move with the Nemitsikov deal, but I don't think we're going to be going back and pinpointing the trade deadline saying that's the move that got them a cup. It'll help, but the team is in place. And Joe Sackick is telling you, this is this is my team. These are my guys. I'm rolling with it. And who are we to argue? I think in the end, it, it's I'm fine with it. Like I said, I would have been happy with it with a big move, but this is our team, and I'm happy with them. So we'll see how it all plays out in the end. What do you guys think? Let me know. Shoot me an email. Get a hold of me on on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And uh, let me know what you thought of the moves made yesterday now by the Colorado Avalanche. So one more off day, and then we have some hockey against Buffalo, who brought in Wayne Simmons. So we'll get to see him again. Uh, Kind of a questionable move, but whatever. (laughs) They wanted to make a move, and they brought him in. So Wayne Simmons on the move yet again. Um, That's going to be it for today, guys. So... Yeah, let me know what you guys think about how the trade deadline went down, any moves that you thought they should have made, any other moves that other teams made that concern you moving forward, like the the uh, Laner and Anthony Zehu move that I think are going to be very good for those respective teams. So let me know what you guys think. That'll be it for today. Enjoy the day. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go.